Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Mars. Today we go behind the headlines on America's pastime, baseball. The season began yesterday with a lopsided loss for the Cardinals. Even though there are 161 games to go, it already has some fans wondering if the Redbirds have the makings of a championship season. Joining me by phone is longtime St. Louis sports writer-reporter Rob Raines, the editor of stlsportspage.com. He also is a member of the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame and the St. Louis Media Hall of Fame. Rob, nice to talk to you. Not my pleasure. Thank you. How are you? I'm fine. I guess we have to remind everyone that uh, one game does not a season make. Well, there hasn't been any team in history that's gone 162-0. and 0, So <laughs> until, until that happens, I don't think we have to worry too much about losing the first game. You spent some time in, in Florida watching the team uh, during spring training. What sort of impression, Rob, do you have of the team through uh, that experience? I, yeah, I think they're better than they were a year ago. I like the young pitchers. Uh, I really think they're probably still a year away from being a really good team because of the of the youth of the pitchers. You know, guys like Flaherty and Jordan Hicks, who we saw make his uh, major league debut on Thursday. Those kind of kids, I think, you know, will get be better at Luke Weaver even a year from now than they are now. But I think that they are improved over a year ago. I think I like the addition of Marcelo Zuna. I think he's going to be a much beloved figure very quickly in St. Louis, even though he had a rough rough uh, start on Thursday. I think the biggest thing that this team has changed is the comp- you know, composure of the coaching staff with the addition of Mike Maddox and the return of Jose Kendo and obviously everybody's fan favorite Willie McGee being in uniform for a full-time uh, on a full-time basis this season. I think it's going to make a positive impact on pretty much everybody on that ball club. You know, explain the Okendo thing for me, if you would. I mean, everybody says that, you know, he was really, really missed when he was not with the team. What, what does he bring to the table that is so important to it? A friendly voice that can talk to guys. I mean, I think he's, he's, you know, coaches are all in any, in any sport, anybody will tell you, especially the professional level, there's a, there's a disconnect between the manager and the players. And there has to be because the manager is the boss. He's, you know, it's kind of like a father son figure. You know, you, you, you know, you have to have a respect factor there, but you can't be best friends. You know, there, you have, somebody has to be the, the grown up in the room kind of thing, you know, to speak. So that's the manager's role. Now, some managers, you know, handle that role differently than others. But on any of those, any team like that, there's the, there's that go between, and that's the coaching staff. So I think, especially with the Latin players, especially with the infielders, Jose Akendo is a guy that can go talk to those guys, can motivate those guys, can be, the sounding board for players to come and say, hey, you know, why is he doing this? Why am I not playing? Why is this going on? And can reason with them and keep them calm and, and cool and collected. And I think they did miss that, not only from what he brought to them as far as instructional value was concerned and, and positioning on infield and you know, all that kind of stuff, just from a voice and a go-to guy that they could talk to. I think they missed that. You, you would think, though, I mean, I would think, as someone who is not as close to the game as you are, that someone like Mike Matheny could fill that role because he's a former player, former Cardinal, and, and that, uh, you know, he, he knows the game and he knows what they're going through. He could fill that role as a coach. I just yeah. don't think he could fill that role as a manager because the man, too much rests on the manager's shoulders. Too many of the decisions, you know, and, and, and I, I don't want to sound like he has a bad relationship with the players because I don't think that's true. I think he does have a good relationship with those players, and I think he is a, a you know, wants the best for them, wants them to succeed as a motivator kind of kind of guy, and, and of course was, you know, does have the experience of having played a long time in the big league, so he knows what that experience is like. But I just think that his role is different as a manager than the roles of being a coach, and that player-coach relationship can be stronger than a player-manager relationship. What are the big question marks uh, for the Cardinals this season? 
Well, I think they addressed the biggest one yesterday, if all the reports are true that they've signed Greg Holland. He has not uh, officially been announced as having signed yet. Uh, the deal was pending a physical, and that physical was supposed to have been taking place either last night or today, but we have not got the official word yet uh, as we're talking this morning that he has signed. But if that's true, one-year deal, then he becomes the team's closer, which I think is their was their biggest need. I mean, you look at his – he had 41 saves last year for Colorado – and of the eight guys who were in the Cardinal bullpen yesterday on opening day, their combined career totals were 37. Mm-hmm. One, you know, one season, you know, one season of Greg Holland more than the careers of all those other guys. Now, part of that's skewed a little bit by the fact that Luke Gregerson is on the disabled list, but still, he's going to be the guy that they need to go to in the ninth inning. He's had great success in that role. So, if you know, that's going to make you know everybody in the bullpen's roles a little bit different, which I think is probably a good thing. So. You know, it's going to take him a week or two to get up to speed because he was just signed. He wasn't in spring training, even though he was throwing. So I'm not sure exactly when you're going to see him active and in a Cardinal uniform, but it'll be sometime in the next couple of weeks. How old is he? 32. 32. That's still relatively young. I, I was a little surprised to see it's only a one-year contract. Is that something you think that he would be insisting upon or the Cardinals until they get a chance to look at him? I think it's a combination of the two. I think he wanted more than one when the free agency thing started yeah. this winter. But as we saw with multiple free agents, you know, Lance Lynn included, the market just was not there for, for big contracts for most of these guys. I mean, a few of them did get deals, but most of those guys did not get the deals that they wanted. So I think he had to settle for what his best offer was. And by taking a one-year deal, that will let him be, become a free agent again after next season. Cannot get a qualifying offer, which obviously affects the teams making offers to him because they have to give up a draft pick to to do that. So I think you know he's in the kind of the same boat as Lance Lynn was. He took the one-year deal simply because it was the best he could get at the time, and then he's hoping to go bet, get a better deal, whether he pitches well enough that the Cardinals then try to sign him to a three- or four-year deal or, you know, Go forward from that. The Cardinals traditionally do not spend a ton of money or long-term contracts on their closer, so we'll see if that changes. Well, they're going to pay him if the reports are true. Fourteen million dollars for a year. Yeah, but just for one year. That's not that from a closer standpoint for a one-year contract. That's not a bad deal. No, not a bad deal. Wouldn't you love to see what the paycheck they get paid every couple of weeks? I think what one of those paychecks. I saw one one time. I saw one one time for Ozzie Smith when I was a beat reporter back in the thirty years ago, and Ozzie at the time was the highest paid player on the Cardinals. And after taxes and all that kind of stuff, uh, it was you know well into the six figures for for a two week period. Oh wow! But, but but you also got to remember they only get paid during the season. They don't get unless you structure your contract differently. You don't get paid in the off season. You only get paid during the season. So you're getting twice as much basically. You're getting all of your year's money in a six month period of time. Somehow I'm not feeling sorry for them. Was <laughs> regarding that. Have to have a, most baseball players you will not have to hold benefits for to uh, to make sure their you know rent and, and housing is taken care of and they have food on the table. Yeah, but some of them don't manage that money well. You look at what Jack Clark is going through. Yeah, and I think there's some issues there that haven't been reported. Um, I know Jack well, obviously, but uh, you know I haven't talked to him about this situation, so I can't comment on it. Other than that, I think there were some extenuating circumstances that are part of this, uh, you know, filing that haven't really come out yet. Well, I remember Bob Forsh's situation. I think it was Bob Forsh. Yeah, it was Bob Forsh. His manager or somebody, his financial advisor, uh, took all his money. That's correct. And that has happened to other players, too. So that you do have to be careful in, in that area because there is so much money. And, and unfortunately, a lot of players, you know, they make a lot of money, but they're really naive about it, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they don't have the background of how to handle it. And if they get in into the wrong, you know, in with the wrong person, things can't happen. So you have to be, be really careful. And I think, you know, that gradually over time you've kind of gotten rid of a lot of those people out of the game that have you know 
exterior motives and try to you know take advantage of of players and their naivete, but uh, it still unfortunately does happen. What do you make of the uh, Wainwright situation right now? He's on the DL, of course, disabled list. Mm-hmm. What do you, What do you make of his uh, his prospects for this season? I thought he pitched fine in the spring training. I mean, this is a leg issue. It's a hamstring thing, so it's nothing related to his arm or his shoulder, which is always the, the good news if you're a pitcher. Not related to his Achilles from a couple of years ago, which is also also good. So if he can get that rectified in a couple of weeks, I, I think he'll be back. Uh, he's not going to be the Adam Wainwright he was four or five years ago, but I think he can still be an effective pitcher. Can give you you know five to six innings on a fairly regular basis and and compete. Nobody's going to compete harder than he is. Nobody's going to uh, want to succeed more than he is. And he doesn't. You know, he wasn't happy with how he pitched last year, and he feels like he can do things differently this year and, and be a, still be effective even if he has to change the way he pitches. So that's that's one of the questions that they have to see how that works out because they do have a couple of alternatives of, of guys who could step into that rotation if needed and I think pitch well so you know if he does struggle the question will be how much you know you know the strength they give him you know because of the loyalty and longevity factor you know did they let him go longer in struggle than some other guys they would tell that's that's one of the things we have to wait and see the play-by-play guys uh, during the course of the spring have been giving uh, paying a lot of attention to the new rules uh, what's what's your uh, feeling about that? They want to speed up the game. Uh, Major League Baseball yeah. does, but uh, it's it's going to change a lot this year, isn't it? The main one, I think, is the mound visit that people talk about, and what they've done was that they've established a rule that you can have no more than six mound visits during the course of a season. I mean, during the course of a game, as far as you know, whether it's the catcher going out to talk to the pitcher, whether it's the pitching coach coming out, whether it's the manager, any of those things, even an infielder coming in from second base or, or shortstop counts as a, a mound visit. So, uh, most games, I don't know that it's going to be a factor. Some certain games, it probably will be a factor in in. Uh, you know, the flow of the game. Uh, obviously, the thinking if if you don't have a visit, that speeds up the game. Now, now one rule we should mention though is if a manager goes out to take a pitcher out and you make a pitching change, that does not count as a mound visit. So, so the six is a little bit skewed because of that. But still, it's you know, it's one of the things I'm curious to see how it does. I just can't really believe that's going to have that much of an impact on the the length of a game. The players or, or coaches are talking about that when you were in Florida. A little bit. You know, it doesn't really affect, you know, the one thing they have to remind themselves is to not go to the mound. You know, I mean, they just have to have to remember that there's a, a rule about that now. You know, I think that's going to be different than what they've done in the past. So if there's something they're used to, you know, especially from a, a catcher standpoint, you know, Molina standpoint, he just has to remind himself that I have to just kind of have signs or signals or something to the pitcher to tell him what I want to do. Or I'll have to wait till we get in the dugout to tell him, you know, because they don't want to waste that visit unnecessarily. What's the penalty if they, if they have too you know, many visits to the mound? Yeah, there is one, but I don't know what it is. I, I've forgotten. That's a good question that I should know, but I don't. What will you be looking for? What telltale signs will you be looking for early in the season, Rob, to uh, get some indication of how well this team might do? I'm curious how Tommy Pham's going to play. He had issues with his eyesight in the past, you know, throughout his career. Last year, he had some contacts that worked for him. That he saw the ball well on most occasions. Had a great season. Uh, obviously, he did not play well this spring. He did have some eyesight issues. He lost one of the contact lenses right before the start of spring training. Has been working to get that fixed. Didn't play well yesterday at the opener. So I think that that's, you know, not to say that how Tommy Fame goes, the Cardinals are going to go, but I think it, you know, they need him to play well. 
And, and so that's good. And when he has the questions that he's had in the past, obviously he was upset this uh, spring when they renewed his contract and didn't give him a long-term deal. So he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. He said he's betting on himself. That he's from Las Vegas. So he wants to go out there and prove that he can repeat the success he had last year or even you know, exceed that uh, performance. So I, I'm curious to watch him play. Curious to see how Matt Carpenter does hitting in the third spot in the batting order because he traditionally has not done well in that spot. Um, well, We'll see how that goes. They've got to figure out a way to get Jose Martinez with bats because he's he's a terrific offensive player. So, and, and I'm curious to see how the young pitchers perform. Lots to uh, lots to pay attention to, and it's a Absolutely. long season just underway. Tell us about your website. Uh, I was not familiar with it until I knew you were going to be on the program, but you've got a lot of information packed into that site, my friend. Yeah, we've been doing it about six years now. STLSportsPage.com is the site. We do full coverage of all the Cardinals uh, games, all the Blues games, uh, some of the other college and, and local news as well going on, uh, whatever's going on at the moment. So, um, yeah, just, you know, trying to pretty much do what we would do as a, as a, if we were running a newspaper, just as far as coverage of, uh, of the sporting world in St. Louis is concerned and, uh, columns, features, game stories, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah. Well, um, it's, it's an interesting site. We'll put a link to it on our website at stlpublicradio.org so folks Great. can, uh, give it a try. Appreciate that. Rob Follow Rains. Me on Twitter as well, at Rob Rains. Uh, you know, social media is the, is the king these days, unfortunately. So that's, uh, we'll have to get our word out that way. Okay, well, Rob, uh, thank you so much for being with us. Good luck with the site, and uh, have a successful season. Thanks, Don. I appreciate it. Anytime. com is that site. Coming up, we stick with sports, this time how basketball can be more than a game. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.